So take your Bibles, turn Galatians chapter 2. One of the most powerful verses there. Many of you know it. It's not unfamiliar to many of you. Uh, Galatians chapter chapter 2, and we're going to look at verse 20. Some of you could probably quote it. Verse 20 of chapter 2 of Galatians, it says, I have been crucified with Christ. It is no longer I who live, but Christ who lives in me. In the life I now live in the flesh, I live by faith in the Son of God, who loved me and gave himself for me. I love this verse. This is one of those verses, there's several I have in the scriptures that I literally spend a lifetime of meditating upon. Because God's word is worthy of our meditation, it's worthy of our concentration and of our full attention. And this is one of those passages that I can never walk away from. He says so many things in this one verse that are so rich. He says, I have been crucified with Christ. For some of us, that may seem so strange. In fact, in the church, you probably heard this idea of crucifixion and you you understand that idea of this dying and the aspect of taking up our cross and dying daily. And I've often thought to somebody who isn't a student of the scriptures, how strange would that sound? But the idea behind it is the aspect of transformation which we all want. We want a transformation. We want this aspect of a new life, of a new person, of a new way. And Paul describes this in the very beginning of this verse. He says, he says when he says, I have been crucified, he's actually defining what he just said in verse 19. If you look at verse 19, it says, for, though, for, uh, excuse me, for through the law, I died to the law so that I might live to God. This picture here is this aspect again, and it's the aspect that nobody wants to talk about, right? That that we come short of God's holiness. That God has established a law, and in this law is righteousness and goodness. It gives us an idea of what the intent for which God has intended for his people and how we conduct ourselves and how we live. The problem was is none of us could do that. We see through the Old Testament over and over again through the failure of being able to meet the standard of the law. But here's the thing. The law requires judgment. And the law requires death. And that's why Paul says in verse 19, he says, for through the law, I died to the law. The picture is that when he believed in Christ and he was crucified with Christ, he identified not just in Christ's victory, but he identified in Christ's death. That when Christ died on the cross, then when he experienced death and he brought about as a result victory, we too identify with that death. Why is that so important? Well, verse 19, it tells you there that he says, through the law, I died to the law. Why? so I might live to God. The picture is, is until I recognize that death, till I identify that death in my life to that old person, to that, to that aspect of, uh, of iniquity that so much controlled me, that at one time death ruled in my life. I had, I had no victory over death. I had no victory over sin. It dominated and controlled me and the chains of death only held me and the law was a terrible taskmaster. I could not go and, and to the law and, and say, well, did you really mean this and change the law? The law was hard. It was, it was definite, it was clear, and I could not meet it. But when Christ died, he died to the law, Paul said. 
He says, I died to that demand that the law brought so that I might live to God. Well, how is that possible? It's only possible as we begin to identify with Jesus Christ. That's why Paul says, I have been crucified with Christ. I have identified in his death that I recognize that as a, as a child of God, I have identified myself with something that isn't me. In this case, it's Jesus Christ. Let me ask you this question this morning. Have you come to that place in your, in your life? Are you here this morning or you're listening online? Have you come to a place where you have received Christ into your life? Do you understand what Jesus brings? You can, you can look at previous messages where, I, where I've talked about the person of Jesus Christ. Have you come to a place of faith? Let me ask you, dear brother or sister in Christ, dear family of God, have you come to a place that you understand that you have been crucified with Christ? That you have died to the, to the demands, to the control of death and sin that the law made so clear? Do you understand that? And now that you have been crucified with him, Paul says, he goes on and he says in this verse, he says, I have been crucified with Christ, it is no longer I who live. If I think there's one thing, if you're around me very long, if I, can, if I get passionate about, where I, get, I, get, I just wanna communicate it so bad, right? is that no longer it's Greg Lingle living, it's Christ in me. Paul is saying that, that that legalistic Jewish mindset of work Saul died. And now he's the apostle Paul living to Christ. He's no more falling underneath the, the demands of, of the law in the sense of, of righteousness and victory. He now recognizes it's Christ in him. It's no longer I who live, but Christ lives in me. Dear people of God, if you don't understand that, you're not gonna walk in victory. You're not gonna experience all that God has for us and intends for us. He goes on and he says, it's no longer I who live, but Christ who lives in me. There's a transformation that takes place there. It's, it's literally the idea of death, of enthronement. No longer is that, is that Paul is enthroned in his life, but now he's saying there's another who which he gives that throne to. And it's the same for me. I can say the same thing. It's no longer that, that Greg Lingle that at one time ignored the things of God. That one time, even in what he thought was righteousness, tried to bring about righteousness in his life through his own actions, his own deeds, and his own disciplines. It's no longer that Greg Lingo, but it's Christ in me. There's, there's the throne that I've given the, another aspect of, to another who rules in my life, and it's Christ. And dear people of God, until I understood the sovereignty of God, until I understood the sovereignty of Jesus in my life, I did not understand the blessings of walking after him. That when it said in Ephesians 1 that we looked at a few weeks ago and he says he has blessed us with every spiritual blessing and some of us walk away and we go, man, I don't understand that. Well, it's because who's on the throne? Who is the one that you're yielding control to in your life? Is it still, is it still that old person? If you, if you read something in the scriptures and there's, man, there's some things and I'm gonna look at a couple of them this morning where I read them and they're very hard for me. 
They're very hard for me. I have tried to, to make them happen in my life. It's only that when I walk by faith and I entrust God that he begins to change those things in my life. And now instead of sitting here going, wow, I did some really good stuff this week, now I look back and I go, wow, God is changing me. I'm different. I am different than I was 10 years ago. I am different than I was five years ago. I am different than I was a year ago. I'm different than I was six months ago. I'm different than I was before this COVID-19 happened. Because I am going to grow in Christ. I understand that he is at work in my life to bring about Christ in me. And that doesn't happen when I try to make it happen. It happens when I walk out by faith. And we're going to look at some passages, examples where God has had to work on my own life. And he goes on and he says here, but Christ who lives in me and the life I now live in the flesh, I live by faith in the Son of God. He's sitting here, he's, he's, understands something. I think sometimes we think we, we receive Christ and we pray and we receive him and then we kind of just go on in life and there really isn't anything different. I know I've got to look at these verses and, and I've got to try to incorporate this in my life. I've got to incorporate that in my life. But really, I'm just waiting for Jesus to come. Well, I don't know about you, but that doesn't sound very exciting to me. And the life that I walk in Christ isn't nothing like that. The life I walk in Christ is there was a couple of weeks ago where I was at despair. I just couldn't handle some things anymore. There's a brother in here one day that was saying something to me. Actually, it was in this room. And I looked at him and said, I can't handle any more of this. Stop. I was at despair. I was at the end of myself. And it's funny how many times that God takes me to the end of myself, then in those moments, he begins to teach me about myself. And he begins to teach me about faith. He begins to teach me about what faith looks like in the walk of our lives. I am not perfect. I am just like you. Just because I'm standing up here talking about the Bible doesn't mean that I've got everything figured out. But it does mean this, that God is changing me. And he exposes areas in my life sometimes where, where I'm boasting about myself or I'm putting myself on the, on the throne or I'm thinking I'm it. And he has a way of just gently, oh, thank God he's gentle if we listen. And he just kind of chips away and brings me, brings me into more and more like his son. It's, it's that picture of faith. You see, it's, it's faith, not works or legal obedience that releases the power of God in our lives. It's faith that releases that. It's not your ability to discipline yourself and make certain things happen yourself in your life that brings about the power of God because the power of God, when he begins to work in our lives through faith, it doesn't matter what's happening around us. He begins to lift us up in him. It's literally the essence of our life is that aspect of whereby Christ has sacrificed for us and I identify with his death. And by faith, I continue to build on that new life in Christ, in him, because he's living in me. It's no longer I who live, but Christ who lives in me. And look what it says at the very last, who loved me and gave himself for me. If he loved me enough to give himself for me, then he loves me enough to live out his life in me. Think what I just said. That if Jesus loves me enough that he came to this world and he took upon himself the likeness of sinful flesh and he walked on this world and he called people to himself 
And he experienced death on a cross and he took upon himself the judgment of sin and he experienced death and he rose again. Doesn't he care enough to also live out in me? It doesn't just end there. It's by faith as we begin to impose these things in our lives and believe God to be true. So I started asking my question when I was going through this and thinking about this over the last few weeks, really the last couple of months, and just as God's been very practically applying some of these things to my own life, I started asking myself, well, what does this look like? I mean, what does it look like living a life of, of faith in Christ? So I'm gonna look at a couple of verses where it talks about who we are in Christ. And I'm not gonna tell you you're doing wrong. I'm just gonna tell you some of the things I've learned, okay? So please understand that. Some of the things that I've learned by faith. And some of these things, if you know me, aren't very easy for me. Um, I like to say things my way. This first one is 1 Thessalonians 5, 16 and 18, if you'll put it up here on the screen. It says, rejoice always, pray without ceasing, give thanks in all circumstances, for this is the will of God in Christ Jesus for you. Now that's a powerful statement. I remember reading this when I look at it, when it says rejoice always and pray without ceasing, it really has to do with how we spend our time, right? I mean, I'm always supposed to be rejoicing. There's gotta be off the lips of my mouth this aspect of rejoicing. If you know me, I'm, an, I'm a doer. I'm a, I'm a task-oriented person. I get more excited when the task is over than the process of the beginning of the task to the end of the task. But it doesn't say rejoice when the task is over with. I've looked at that many times. It doesn't say that, right? It's learning how to rejoice in the process, and I'm still growing in that. It also says pray without ceasing. It means in an instance of, of there, it's a continuation. It's a, it's a present tense to continually be, be about prayer. And I'm still learning that. I can give you examples of how God, sometimes I just, man, something's coming up and I'm just kind of walking. And I'm like, God, this, and I just start talking to him. And it's amazing how sometimes he answers. And it's amazing sometimes how he just changes my perspective on the circumstance. And then it says give thanks in all circumstances. I like that phrase. I know a couple of weeks ago, I was really struggling with that phrase. It was really hard for me to give thanks in those moments. You know, you, sometimes you get, you get different things that happen and you start going, God, I'm supposed to give thanks for this? You know, we, we have an adversary that sometimes he likes to kind of twist God's truth, doesn't he? We, we have this idea in our society of if we can just all, we can just all think positively. If we, all can just, if we all can just love, right? If we all can just care. That somehow it comes from within. I was, um, when I went to Tanzania last summer, I was on the plane. One of the things that you knew, many of you knew my fear of flying and all those, those long flights at least. And one of the things I asked God, as I said, opportunity to share the gospel, just to be able to talk. I got to talk to this guy from, from uh, Tanzania. He was actually uh, in a band and uh, looked like he was in a band. Uh, it was a lot of fun, man. We talked for about an hour and a half about the gospel and different things. But I remember there was one point where I was talking with him and all of a sudden he goes, oh, oh, don't be so negative. Don't be so negative. And I was like, how is that negative? He goes, no, no, we got to have positive thinking. We got to have positive thoughts and all that. And we continued on for a few minutes. And I said, so, so you believe that if, 
If you generate positive thoughts, it changes things around you. Oh, yes, yes, yes. So you believe that if humanity would just start thinking that way, it would change everything, right? And he's, oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. You know, I said, I'm older than you. I was in the 60s. We used to talk about those things too, right? I go, well, why isn't, why isn't the world getting better? Why isn't things changing? I mean, I hear more people saying those kinds of things more and more and more. Why isn't the world changing? And we had just flown out of Darcel, which we couldn't get off the plane because they had a terrorist attack there the day or two before. Why aren't things getting better? Because we don't have the ability to change ourselves. That's important to understand. So when I was going through this time a couple of weeks ago and everything was weighing heavy and, and I was reading this again, God, give thanks in all circumstances, I was like, I came to a crossroads in my walk of faith because I didn't want to give thanks. In fact, I wanted to lash out at a couple of things. I wanted to say what I wanted to say. I wanted, I wanted somebody to know exactly how they were wrong. We were in some negotiation stuff. It was frustrating to me. And I wanted to speak my mind so, so deadly. And I was reading this and I was giving thanks in all circumstances and I was like, God, I'm not sure how I can understand this. And God just simply said to me, Greg, you don't have to. You see, this is where faith walks in. Faith walks in, faith believes and trusts in a God who understands our circumstances, who understands our situation and faith trusts him with it. I don't know what the outcome is, but do I trust God with it? So when I'm able to give thanks in all circumstances because it's the will of God in Christ Jesus for me, when I, when I look, walk into those circumstances, do I look past the circumstances and realize that I am trusting God? It's no different than, read, read Hebrews chapter 11. Abraham went out to a land he did not know. His circumstances were changing, but he looked to a God that he believed in and he trusted his God with his circumstances. Moses looked past the riches of Egypt. He looked off to the city of God and he trusted God. And it tells us at the end of that chapter of others that there's not even enough room to talk about who took down kingdoms by faith. And it says this little phrase in there, of which this world is not worthy. How can, how can Paul and Silas sing in a prison? How can, how can you endure circumstances? How can Greg Lingle endure circumstances? It's by faith. You think I could say in my mind in those moments when I'm the most heated that, oh, Greg, just be, just be thankful. That's not natural. That does not come to me. I'm sorry, I'd rather just go out back and get it settled. That's just my personality. That's the way I grew up. I know, that, I know people don't like that. I'm sorry. God is changing me, right? But it's a change by faith. It's not just a change because of education. It's not just a change because, because I have a different feeling. It's a change of faith. Because I walk by faith and not by sight. It says to pray always. It's really when we express joy and prayer and thanksgiving that the expression of faith and trust in God and his working on our lives really become meshed. Another verse is Philippians chapter four, verses six and seven. Y'all familiar with this? Do not be anxious about anything, but in everything by prayer and supplication with thanksgiving. Let your requests be made known to God 
and the peace of God, which surpasses all understanding, will guard your hearts and your minds in Christ Jesus. I hold this first year. If we were to go back to look at verses four and five, it tells us be the Lord's at hand. Rejoice always. Again, I say rejoice. There's, there's this idea whereby the author is saying because Christ has come in his intimate return and, and this idea of joy, we should not be anxious. But, but he goes on and he says, if you are, if there's anxiousness in your life, and boy, this is so helpful to me. When, I, when I'm anxious, when I'm overwhelmed, when I'm at despair, you know what that means to me? It means I need to pray. That's exactly what it means. And I pray. Not always do those things go away, but man, I talk to God about it. I talk to him a lot. And it says, and the peace of God, which passes all understanding, this peace that comes that's beyond my ability to comprehend and understand. I've experienced that. I don't know if you have, but I have where God just swarms me with peace. It doesn't, my circumstances haven't changed, my thoughts haven't changed, but I just have a peace of God to endure through those times. How does that happen? It's by faith. You see, so many times I think what we do is we go, we go you know, I prayed about this and nothing changed. That's not a prayer of faith. Think about it. That's, that's, that's kind of, you do this, I do this. God, I prayed, now you gotta do your part. Oh, you didn't do your part? So this, this verse doesn't mean anything. Well, that's not true. That's not a prayer of faith. That isn't walking in faith. That's walking where God has to line up with my plans and purposes. Well, that's not, that's not I no longer live, but Christ lives in me. That's not that. See, when Christ lives in me, it's recognizing that he knows the steps ahead of me. He knows the circumstances in which he wants to gain victory in my life. It's when I pray and I trust him with those circumstances that the peace of God, and this word guard is, is literally the, the idea of protecting. It's then that the peace of God will guard your hearts and, and minds in Christ Jesus. It's there that, that you will begin to experience that peace. The reason you probably don't experience peace, and let me be careful here, I'm, I don't know your hearts and I don't know but sometimes why we don't experience peace is because we don't pray in faith. We pray with the expectation to God to do something that we want, and that's not a prayer of faith. God forbid that we would say that. We need to be a people that pray in faith, believing. You see, when we begin to pray in faith, then we begin to see God working. When we talk about this life that I live in Christ, and it's no longer I who live, but he lives in me. It's, it's the idea of beginning to entrust God with the things of our lives. That when I want to respond in a certain way, I don't because Christ is on the throne of my life. When, I, when I'm anxious and overwhelmed and I go to him in prayer and he doesn't answer my prayer the way that I want, I entrust him with the circumstances of my life. Ephesians 4.32 is another one. This one I hated this verse for a long time. It says, be kind to one another, right? Hey, you know, when you're in business dealings, you, you, can't, you, know, you can't be kind. I remember this guard that was going, he was at a prison. He was at one of the churches I was at. I remember one day I had preached and afterwards he came up and he said, you know, pastor, I appreciate what you said. I know you got to say that, but you know, I can't be that way with those prisoners. I mean, if I don't kind of line them up and tell them where they're at, they're not going to respect me. And I said, well, I don't think that's respect, actually, to be honest with you. 
I have found that I can live Christ. When I was working at the airport and most of my employees came from South Dallas and I had the respect of those folks. Yeah, there were times some of them didn't like me. They threw their badge at me or get mad, but hey, that's just part of it. They needed, they needed to hear truth at that moment. They were getting fired because they were stealing from me. I'm not gonna put up with it. I'm not gonna change because they think it's okay. But I'll tell you what, more and more of them respected me because of who I was in Christ. And I could be kind, I didn't have to be rude when I, got, when I had to let them go. In fact, it was a few years later, I was over here at Fry's and I walked up and I was checking out at the, I was checking out at the counter and I looked at the guy's name badge and I said his name and I just said it and I go, boy, that sounds familiar. And he goes, you don't remember me, do you? And then when I hear that, I'm like, oh, okay, let me get ready. I'm about to get cussed out or whatever because I fired him or something. He says, you don't remember me, do you? And I said, no, I don't. He said, I used to work for you. And I go, oh, really? Was it at Burger King, Chili's, the airport? Where was it, you know? Oh, at the airport. And I said, oh, really? Yeah, you fired me. <laughs> you know, I'm just like, just check me out. Let me get out of here, you know? He said, you fired me for stealing. Uh-huh. And I'm thinking, all right, now make sure I count all my money when I get it back, right? <laughs> and he went on, he said, he said, you fired me. I, had to, I ended up losing my apartment and I had to move back home, which is not what I wanted to do. And I'm just like, okay, just tell me what you think. Let's get this over with, right? And then he said, but you would not let me get away with stealing. I lied to you and you knew what I did. He said, it ended up being the best thing that ever happened to me. He said, I'm right now, I, I'm, I'm working my way through college. I have a plan, I have a goal, right? I wasn't rude to him, but, I, but we, can, we can be kind and we can be tenderhearted and we can be forgiving one another. Why? Because Christ forgave us and we don't have to be mean about it. We don't have to be. This is one of those verses that is, God has pounded in my heart over and over and over again in management in my whole walk of my life. To be compassionate, tenderhearted, forgiving. It literally means, let me, I thought that was kind of interesting. Let me see if I can find it. Literally means being gracious, to give freely, to give graciously as a favor. Why do we do this? As God in Christ forgave you. You've got your, you've got your template on how to forgive. How did God forgive you? We live in a world right now where, where Christians don't have a real good reputation because we haven't always been kind to one another. We always haven't been compassionate. We always haven't been forgiving. We rather tell people where they're wrong rather than express love and care and concern. We, we need to live Christ. There's a quote that I have of this old Scottish pastor talking to a young pastor and he just says, he's telling him, giving him advice and he just says this, love him to Jesus. Love him to Jesus. How do we do this? We do this by faith. God is changing me in this verse. He is working in my life in this verse. I, I have seen God do, not because I'm somehow, oh, I'm being kind. You should see how kind I am. I'm just, you know, I'm compassionate. You should see how, it's not that. It's God changing me. And dear people of God, every one of us need to look at our lives. Is God changing me? Not me, Greg Lingle, but you yourself, right? Is God working and changing? Are you walking a life of faith, believing that God will do this? 
I believe God will. See, when we walk in faith, we see God do these things. And I think it's Kerry Newell who said, Christian maturity is not marked by how much you know, but how much you love. I love that statement because so many times I've heard people who are really good at studying the scriptures and I watch them become more critical. I watch them become more judgmental. And yet I believe that if you study the scriptures, what will happen is you'll become more compassionate. You'll understand the people of the world that are dying and going to hell and you've got a message. You've got a message of hope. You've got a message of love. And people that I find that are sometimes studying the scriptures so much that lose out that I don't see this evangelistic heart that I saw in God when he sent Christ into our world and was calling people to himself. Well, shouldn't we as God's people, as he's left us here, shouldn't we be a people? We have the ministry of reconciliation, that God was in Christ in this world calling people to himself. And it tells us there in 1 Corinthians chapter 5, I believe verses 19 and 20, it tells us there that he has given us the same ministry. How do you do that ministry? By faith. Some are more vocal than others, but you can pray and ask God to open doors. I heard about somebody doing a, making a salsa dish and going next door just to meet their, meet their neighbor, to begin to reach out, to begin to build, build bridges into the, to others instead of us living in a secluded way. We have, a, we have the message of hope. We have that message. One of the nice things about our faith is that we have a certainty, a security. If you will, look at Romans 8, 38 and 39, pull this up. It says, for I am sure, this, in some translations says, I am convinced. It is, it, is, it is the idea that I am absolutely or definitively sure that neither life nor death nor angels nor rulers or things present nor things to come nor powers nor height or death nor anything else in all of creation. I love that. Nothing in all of creation will be able to separate us from the love of God in Christ Jesus our Lord. And so many times I feel like we start thinking God doesn't care. Some things happen and our lives change around and we're like, where is God? Does he really care? Does he love me? He's already said this. See, it's by faith that I take this. When I'm at those moments of despair, when I'm at those times where I begin to doubt, I'll go to a, back to a verse like this and I'll, by faith, I know this is true, that God's love for me hasn't, has not changed. And because of that love, I just mentioned a minute ago, 2 Corinthians 5, 18 and 19, that he's given us this ministry of, of, of reconciliation. We can be bold, bold in that ministry. All this is from God who through Christ Jesus, where Christ reconciled us to himself and gave us the ministry of reconciliation. That is, in Christ, God was reconciling the world to himself, not counting their trespasses against them. So why would we? Isn't that an important question? If Christ was in, if God was in Christ in the world, calling people to themselves, not counting their trespasses against them, why do we hold people's trespasses against them? And entrusting to us this message of reconciliation. It's, we have boldness. Now this next couple of verses were really, and I'm gonna wrap it up, really got to me. First Timothy, or 2 Timothy 3, verses 12 and 13. This is not a fun one. It says, indeed, all who desire to live a godly life in Christ, let's lock this other one up, will be persecuted. When hardships come because you're living your faith, 
Because you're living Christ, should you not expect hardship? He says, while evil people and imposters will go from bad to worse, dear people of God, it's only gonna get worse. Why do we think any differently? He's telling us it's only gonna get worse. Deceiving and being deceived. In other words, evil tends itself to lead to evil. Deception tends to lead to deception. It's only gonna get worse. We're, we're moving into a day where, where everyone is doing what's right in their own eyes. And if you look in the scriptures, search the scriptures, that's a scary time. Dear people of God, we can't fall into that. We cannot. And when we walk our, when we walk our faith, there's gonna be opposition. There's gonna be uncertainty. In fact, Peter writing to, to believers, he said this in 1 Peter 5.10, he says, after you have suffered a little while, let that set in, after you suffered a little while. Now these Christians were under tremendous persecution. They had been scattered abroad because of their faith and persecuted. Their, their, their homes had been taken. They had been beaten for their faith. We, we haven't gone through that, but I want you to understand that walking the Christian life sometimes brings about suffering. He says, after you've suffered a little while, the God of all grace who has called you to, the, to the, his eternal plan in Christ. He has called you to his eternal plan in Christ. He has called you. Do you believe that? He has called you to his eternal glory in Christ. Will himself, listen to this, restore, confirm, strengthen, and establish you. You know what that tells me? It tells me that in life of faith, that I have to remember that it's not this life, but it's also what God is doing in my life and in my life in eternity. There will be a time when Jesus will be revealed. We saw that last week. And everybody will know. Everybody will know that he is Lord. Everybody will know our faith. But until then, we may have to suffer a little while, but we need to remember we have been called to his eternal glory, glory in Christ. And when he is ready, he will restore us, confirm us, strengthen us, and establish us in Christ. I wanna close by reading this passage in 1 Corinthians. I told you to go there earlier. 1 Corinthians chapter one. I just wanna start reading verse 28. It's a good reminder when I read where I begin to doubt or uncertain about this world. It says, God chose what is low and despised in the world. Even things that are not to bring nothing the things that are, so that no human being might boast in the presence of God. And because of him, this is Christ, or God, you are in Christ Jesus. Because of what God has done, you are in Christ Jesus, who became to us wisdom from God, righteousness and sanctification and redemption, so that as it is written, let no one who boasts, or let, let the one who boasts, boast in the Lord. I love this deal because it's like God had, God had gone against all the plans of the world. Like when we go to hire, you, you're wanting to hire the best, right? The most qualified. You're looking for all of those attributes for that particular job or that particular company. And God turned the, the standard of the world upside down. He didn't pick the best. <laughs> he took the ordinary. And he turned the world upside down. Look at the 12 that he called. And he told, turned the world upside down so that, so that no human being, in verse 29, might boast 
in the presence of God. And because of God, you are in Christ Jesus. And Christ became to us, listen to this, wisdom from God, righteousness, sanctification, and redemption. When we understand that by faith, we will boast and boast in Christ. You know what the word boast means? I I had to look it up, just a simple definition. It means to talk with excessive pride and self-satisfaction about one's achievements, possessions, and abilities. We don't boast, we boast about what Jesus did, about Jesus changing us, about Jesus giving us giving us thanksgiving in the midst of all circumstances. We pray believing that Jesus has got this thing together. We trust him with the outcomes. We walk by faith and we believe in Christ and we trust Jesus. We know that nothing's gonna separate us from his love. We know that we have this ministry of reconciliation and we can be bold because of who Jesus is. And we boast in him. Why do we share our faith? Because we boast in Jesus. We want to tell people about Jesus. Yes, there'll be opposition. Yes, there will be suffering. There will be difficulties. But Jesus will establish us. Jesus will see us through. He will strengthen us. He will confirm us. And that's a walk of faith. That's who we are in Christ. And dear people of God, it is lived every day and not on an hour on Sunday morning. It is breathed, every breath that you take, every thought that you have becomes Christ when you walk by faith. When you begin to recognize and you're thinking things and you go, God, I know that's not true. I know that's not true. That's not who I am anymore in Christ. And by faith, you begin to depend on him and trust him. Let's pray. Father God, just speak to us this morning. Lord, the things you've taught me about faith and the walk of faith, I pray, Father, today was communicated to your people. I pray that, Father, your spirit moves, opens eyes, opens hearts, Father, that, Father, we would not just go through this life haphazard in our faith. That, Father, we wouldn't be a people that kind of tack you onto our lives, but that, God, we become a people that, Every day, it's, it's a joy to know you. It's a joy to see you work in our hearts and our minds, to experience your peace in the midst of chaos, to, to Father, to find ourselves rumbling and, and discouraged or, or frustrated and yet find ourselves dependent and resting in you. And in the middle of that, that struggle, we experience your calm lifting that, Father, you're the one that strengthens the weak knees and the, and the weak arms. That, Father, when we are ready to quit, you see the end. And, Father, that we would trust you with that. Speak to us, your people, Father. Let us not be complacent about our walks with you. But, Father, give us a thirst to know, to know you and the joy of walking with you. It's in Christ's name. Amen.